Hello, you beautiful, amazing women. Welcome to the Live Treasured Podcast. You know something? Loss is not the end of your story. And God has filled the book of Ruth with amazing, timeless biblical truths, not only to help our hearts heal after loss, but also to experience His over-the-top, wonderful restoration from everything the enemy has taken. And in today's podcast, I'm going to be sharing with you an audio teaching message from Naomi's next chapter, which is a Treasure Tribe Bible study on the book of Ruth. And hey, if you're interested in accessing all Treasure Tribe Bible studies like Naomi's next chapter and other amazing benefits, including access to our private social media platform for our Just for Women online Christian community, I want you to go visit www.treasuredtribe.com and sign up for membership. And you know something? Best of all, when you sign up for membership, not only do you get access to everything that you need to dive in and study the Word of God, you get a supportive community to cheer you on and... You support Treasured Ministries because 100% of the revenue goes right back into supporting everything that we do, including this podcast. Visit treasuredtribe.com, sign up for membership, and get ready to thrive with daily truth and a tribe by your side. And now, on to today's show. Let's do this. next chapter. Boy, am I excited to talk to you today about love. I want to share with you a funny, cute story about when I was a little girl uh, coming to my grandmother's to eat Thanksgiving. So we went to my grandmother's house and for Thanksgiving at my grandmother's, it was a huge holiday. I mean, she went all out for Thanksgiving. There was cooking done for days, amazing, you know, turkey and desserts and, you know, all the yummy things that come with Thanksgiving. Her table was just gorgeous. And uh, I was excited this year in particular because I was graduating from the little kids table to the big kids table because I was six years old. So it was 
it was this big deal. I don't know if any of you um, can identify with that. So, so we dressed up. It was Thanksgiving, and we sat down at the table. My grandmother was so excited to have us there, and we said the blessing together. And then she came right over to my chair, welcomed me to the big table, and then she put her arms on my shoulders and she leaned down next to my ear and she said, "Eileen." What can I get you to eat for Thanksgiving? You look at the table. You can have anything that you want. And I looked up at my grandmother and I thought about it for a while. And then I asked her, I said, can I have a peanut butter and honey sandwich? Well, naturally, my grandmother was a little bit surprised, but because she loved me, she leaned down again and she said, absolutely. And she went inside of her kitchen to make me a peanut butter and honey sandwich. Now, before I go any further, let me explain to you my obsession as a little girl with a peanut butter and honey sandwich. I ate them every day for lunch. And my mom knew just the right amount of peanut butter and honey to put inside each sandwich. And she would mix up the concoction before she spread it on the bread so that all the flavors would mesh together. And then there always seemed to be just enough of that peanut butter and honey that would ooze out beyond the uh, the edges of the bread. So then even after I was done with my sandwich, I could take Take my finger and just eat that wonderful combination on its own. And every single day for lunch, I would ask my mom for a peanut butter and honey sandwich. It was a daily staple for me. And I think that as a little girl coming to Thanksgiving dinner, uh, while there was so much before me that my grandmother had provided I was afraid of partaking inside of the feast because what if it wasn't going to be as good as my peanut butter and honey sandwich? And to this day, our family laughs about that story. But when you think about human nature, you know, sometimes, especially after we've walked through loss, we can settle for what seems safe at the sacrifice of something greater. We don't want to risk or mess up what we currently have out of fear of loss again. In other words, when I was sitting there at the Thanksgiving table, I believe that in my little girl mind, I was thinking to myself, well, there can't be anything better than a peanut butter and honey sandwich. And what if I get all these things on my plate and they're good, but they're not as good? I mean, I'm such a creature of habit. It's kind of like this. When I go to a restaurant and I find a dish that I love, that is what I will order every time I go back because I don't want to risk ordering something that is not going to be as good for what I already have. And the problem with that is that I, I, I sacrifice that perhaps there could be something greater. And inside of our lives, 
It is human nature for us to settle what is safe at the sacrifice of something better. And I want to ask you a question. Has a traumatic loss in your life uh, called you to settle for safe when perhaps there could be something greater? Luke 5, 37 and 39 says it this way. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins for the new wine would burst the wineskins, spilling the wine out and ruining the skins. New wine must be stored into new wineskins, but no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine. This old wine is just fine, they say. Isn't it interesting? how we can become settled in what seems comfortable and that when the Lord uh, invites us to walk into our redemption, sometimes we might pull back out of that need to be safe. But here is the thing about uh, love because love is the most powerful force and it is what leads us forward to, to love God with all of our heart is how you and I live by the Spirit, right? To, to give Him our all. But when we give God our all, that means everything is on the table and we might have to surrender uh, something or, or leave a current place of provision in order to walk into that new season inside of our new redemption. When the Israelites left Egypt and they walked through the wilderness. The wilderness was only a temporary place before the promised land. They had manna as provision inside of the wilderness, but there was something greater. It was the provision inside the promised land. And sometimes our current situation is not our final destination, but if we don't trust God enough, if we're not loving Him with our whole hearts, just giving Him our all, we might be pulling back in safety and sacrificing something better. To love is to be vulnerable. It is to give our all. It is to risk losing again. Inside of our passage this week, we see how Naomi loved Ruth, right? By letting Ruth go to usher her into her new chapter. And Ruth was a gift that God brought into Naomi's life. But how many of you know that inside of a harvest, it is the fruit within the fruit that is the seed that must be sown, and Naomi could have said, you know, I want to just hang on to this because this is safe. And Ruth could have said, you know, we've got a good thing going on here, Naomi. I mean, I go out and glean and Boaz is protective over me and, and we have what we need. But Ruth recognized that their current situation was not their final destination. And in order to receive that, they had to be vulnerable. They had to, 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 to approach Boaz at the risk of what they currently had, their peanut butter and honey. 
to step up and to receive the feast. You see, to love is to be vulnerable. It is to give God our all. It is to say, I risk losing again. For it is in the losing that we find those seeds to sow. The other phenomena about love that we see inside of our our scripture this week is that to love is always, always to allow choice. That Boaz did not force Ruth to come to him, that it was the Ruth that had to initiate this opportunity of a deeper relationship with him, that Ruth didn't come to Naomi and say, okay, I'm ready to leave you now, that Naomi came and, and approached Ruth. And see, love always allows for choice. And that's why our Lord, who operates out of agape love, will never force us to follow him. Authentic love from others never involves control. In fact, Galatians 5.18 says, when you are directed by the Spirit, you are no longer under the obligation of the law of Moses. And to me, while that verse says many things, a primary thing to me that is precious is that because the law was satisfied in Christ, right? That now I stand under the covering of his righteousness, that there's no way I can ever lose God's love. That when I follow the Holy Spirit and when I take steps of faith, it is not out of obligation to fulfill a rule, but it is out of my relationship with God. And it is because of my love for Him. To love is to allow choice. Some days I wish God would just make me a robot, right? So I just do all the right things. But He gives us our free will as a gift so that we can give Him back to Him. And because authentic love never controls To love is also to give. To love is to give. John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only begotten Son. He gave because He loved, right? And Ruth, Ruth loved Naomi, and Naomi loved Ruth, and so Naomi gave Ruth, right? And Ruth gave herself to Boaz. She said, and we're going to see this, came to him and said, I give you my all. I am your servant. And then Boaz gave back to her. To love is to be vulnerable. To love is to understand that it is a choice. And I wonder, is Jesus, your kinsman redeemer, calling you into a deeper relationship with him? Perhaps it is through this study. Perhaps it is because you've been stuck in a certain area of comfortable provision, but God is calling you deeper. I want to talk to you today about going beyond gleaning to love God with your all at the threshing floor and reap An eternal harvest is anybody today ready to go beyond gleaning. You're ready to say, you know what? I don't want to settle for something that is safe. I want everything 
everything that my relationship with the Lord has to give me. I want to partake of all my spiritual inheritance. No more peanut butter and jelly for me. Not only am I wanting to sit at the big table, but I want to enjoy the feast, the fruit of the Spirit, the eternal redemption, the complete redemption of my life. To love God with all your heart is to live by the Spirit. But to do this, we must be vulnerable. We must act and we must choose. And that brings us to our passage today. Open up your Bibles to Ruth chapter 3. I'm starting with verse 1. One day Naomi said to Ruth, my daughter, it is time that I found a permanent home for you so that you may be provided for. Boaz is a close relative of ours and he's been very kind by letting you gather grain with his young women. The first thing that I want you to see is that Naomi realized that it was time. She says it is time. She realized that their current condition was not their final destination. And you know, when we leave our Egypt and then we walk through a wilderness, that is not our final destination. And perhaps it is that there's a restlessness inside of you. And maybe you've taken certain step forward, but you know that your redemption is not complete. And so Naomi sensed this, she realized that their current condition was not their final destination. And she knew that the answer to this was that it was time for Ruth to go to the threshing floor to meet Boaz. Tonight, he will be winnowing barley at the threshing floor. Now, what is the threshing floor? Well, it involved throwing the wheat up into the air and then the wind would catch it and it would divide, right? What was chaff? In other words, what was the part that was not, uh, that the part that was not good about the wheat and it would separate it from the fruit of the wheat. Boaz, as we know, is a picture of Jesus, our kinsman redeemer. And one of the things that Jesus does for us is that he not only saves us, but that he sanctifies us, that as we sit inside of his presence, that he transforms our life. Hebrews 4, 12 through 13 says, the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing from creation is hidden from God and everything is naked and exposed before his and he is the one to whom he is accountable. In other words, 2 Corinthians 3, 16 and 18 says, but whenever somebody turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away for the Lord is the spirit and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord and the Lord who is the spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. See, Jesus is the one that threshes us, the Holy Spirit, through the word that shows us what must stay and and what must go. Sometimes you and I have to get vulnerable before the Lord and we take ourselves to the threshing floor. 
Luke 3, 16 and 17, John the Baptist is talking and he says, I baptize you with water, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to be his slave and to untie the straps of his sandals. In other words, he was saying, I am not the permanent provision, right? He will baptize, Jesus is, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit on fire. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. And then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn, but burning the chaff with a never ending fire. And certainly there inside of that passage, it was talking about the work of the Lord Jesus to divide the believers from the unbelievers. It is the work of the Holy Spirit not only to save us, but to sanctify us. And part of that is us coming to the threshing floor and coming to Jesus and letting him do the work. It's a place of a deeper relationship where we allow God into our lives like that, right? And then it says that Naomi prepared Ruth for meeting with Boaz in a way that it would make this event extraordinary. In verse 3, she said, take a bath and put on perfume and dress in your nicest clothes, then go to the threshing floor, but don't let Boaz see you until he has finished eating or drinking, and be sure to notice where he lies down, then go and uncover his feet and lie down there, and he will tell you what to do. Now, that part of uncovering the feet, you may have thought, that is so weird, but back then, that was custom. That was the communication. I want to take our relationship to a deeper level. It was very customary uh, for this kind of thing to happen. And, and not only was it custom for this thing to happen, uh, but Ruth, in the way that she was preparing herself, it elevated the event to an extraordinary event. In other words, when she would go out and glean, she wasn't washing, she wasn't putting on oil. And when you and I come to Jesus and spend time with him, I wonder if we prepared ourselves, if we took three minutes to prepare ourselves, how it would elevate and consecrate our experience from just ordinary to extraordinary, the gift of being able to come boldly before the throne. Well, the first thing that we can do is to take a bath. And you know, the Bible tells us in John 15, 13, that we are already clean because of the words Jesus has spoken over us. And you know how the enemy will speak those words of shame and he'll point to all the ways that you're not measuring up. And when we have that in our mindset, when we don't wash that out of our thinking, we won't come to Jesus and go beyond our gleaning, right? For that deeper encounter inside of his presence. Ephesians 5, 25 through 27 says this, Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of the word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or, or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy without fault. Colossians 1, 22 through 20. 
3 says, as a result, he brought you into his presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. But then listen to verse 23, but you must continue to believe this truth and to stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. I wonder how many of us are settling for peanut butter and honey when we could be eating a feast because the enemy's just got us so bogged down with shame, right? And did you see that verse in Colossians that while we are washed in the word, John 15, 13 tells us that there's a daily washing that you and I must, a daily declaration where we stand Right, and who Christ says we are as we stand before him. And if we take that moment to remind ourselves of the truth in God's word, it'll wash away the shame and the negative thinking that keeps us from pressing into that position at the feet of Jesus on the threshing floor. And then it says that she put on perfume and that was a common practice after people would take baths. They would put on um, oils. Uh, but uh, also inside of the Bibles, oils were used for consecration. What practical things can we do to remember? Because consecration, it means to set apart that time with God. It's not just an ordinary thing. Reading my Bible, checking off my list, it should be an extraordinary experience. One of the members inside of my treasure tribe was sharing with us that one of the things that she does to just press into the presence of the Lord and partake is, is that she listens to worship music before she has her quiet time. And I love that. I've started doing that as a way to prepare for the presence of God. One of the reasons why inside of the Nourish Method that we start out with meditating on the word and worshiping God is, is, to, is so that we're washed in the word. And how much would that elevate your experience, your encounter with God, if you did those things before that would just build excitement and anticipation, right? And expectancy, and then it says to put on your, your best clothes. The best clothes that you and I could ever put on is our identity in Christ. Galatians 3, 26 through 29 says, You are all children of God through faith in Christ. And all of you have been united with Christ in baptism, have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. Verse 29, and now that you belong to Christ, you are true children of Abraham. You are heirs and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. What difference would it make if you reminded yourself that you come to him as an heir, as a daughter? Naomi prepared Ruth for her encounter with Boaz, elevating the event as extraordinary and then Ruth's actions initiated a deeper relationship to Boaz as she gave him her all. I will do everything you say, Ruth replied. So she went down to the threshing floor that night and followed the instructions of her mother-in-law. After Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he lay down at the far end of the pile of the grain and went to sleep. Then Ruth came quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. She was at his feet. 
Around midnight, Boaz suddenly woke up and turned over. He was surprised to find a woman laying at his feet. Who are you, he asked. And listen to what Ruth said. I am your servant. Lord, I give you my all. Everything is on the table. Lord, I love you. I'm not going to be afraid of risking losing anymore. Lord, if, I, if you ask me to do something and it means that other people aren't going to be happy with me, Lord, I lay down that affirmation of, man, I give you my all. There's a story in the Bible. It's one of my favorites. It's when Jesus is talking to his disciples. And prior to this, he's just answered that question. You know, what is the most important commandment and Jesus answers is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love him with your all. And then just after that, there's this scene. So sitting down next to the collection box and you know, all the rich people are parading by and they're putting in large amounts. And then he sees a widow who comes and drops in two small coins. And Jesus calls over his disciples and he says this to them. I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions for they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, as poor as she is, has given me everything that she had to live on. Now in this, in this passage, Jesus didn't come and, and say to her, don't, don't do that. It is in our loving God, giving him our all. Everything is at the table. Lord, at Treasured Ministries is on the table. Anything that you hold dear, Lord, it is yours. I am here, your servant. And then she goes on to spray, spread the corner of your covering over me for you are my family redeemer. I am your servant, but Jesus, you are my family redeemer. And Boaz, when he responds to her, we see that Naomi could have had uh, the younger men, maybe more good looking men, who knows? But she chose Boaz. There is only one redeemer. I'm married to a wonderful man. He's a godly man. But it is Jesus that is my soulmate. He is our redeemer. And so Ruth basically is risking, she's risking, what if it messes up? What if, what if Boaz rejects me? What if I lose this current gleaning gig that I already have? But she comes to him and she says, Lord, it's all on the table. I am your servant. And just like the widow that gave two mice and just like Mary surrendered her alabaster jar and the woman at the well at Samaria laid down her water jug, what is your for all, would you be willing to go to the threshing floor and say, Jesus, it's yours? And then she says, spread the corner of your covering over me for you are my family redeemer, not my husband. That's not doing right, right? Not this circumstance in the world, not this one person only. Jesus, you are the one that can redeem me. It's a place of love. Can you see how Boaz 
loved Ruth by providing for her with the gleaning and all that he did, the kindness and the protection, but also in his love, he was waiting for that response. And when Jesus says the most important commandment is to love God, right, with your all, can you imagine how Boaz felt that she chose him? Can you imagine how God feels when we choose him? And every time you and I choose to sow in the spirit versus our flesh, we are choosing to love God. And understand this, she was underneath that covering. When we make those decisions, it is not to get God to love us, right? We're already resting under that covering. It is because we love Him and because He gave it all for us. And you know something inside of that response, because here's the thing, you can never, ever, ever outgive God, ever. Boaz responds to her by blessing her. And the first thing he does is he comforts her. It says this, The Lord bless you, my daughter. You are showing even more loyalty now than you did before. For you have not gone after younger men, whether rich or poor. Now don't worry about a thing, my daughter. So he comforts her. And then he tells her that he's going to answer her request. And the Lord says, I'm going to answer your prayer, right? He calls to us. He tells us to come and to ask him. And it says, I will do what is necessary for everyone in town knows you are a virtual uh, woman. But while it is true that I'm one of your family redeemers, there is another man who is more closely related to you. And then he talks about the fact that that he uh, that he's going to make arrangements, you know, because Boaz, just like the Holy Spirit, will always act in accordance to the word. Right. And then it says this, and don't miss this, verse 14. So Ruth lay at Boaz's feet until morning, but she got up before it was light enough for the people to recognize each other. Both Boaz comforted her, he answered her prayer, and he covered her. And you know, the secrets that you have, God already knows them anyway. But there's a beautiful place at the threshing floor where you and I can get vulnerable before God and just completely authentic with Him, right? And that's the intimacy that our hearts are crying for. Then Boaz said to her, bring your cloak and spread it out. And he measured six scoops of barley into the cloak and placed it on her back. Then he returned to town. Now inside of my Bible note, it says, that that amount that Ruth received was twice as much as the amount that she gleaned on that first day. So not only did Boaz give to her in abundance, but he also gave to her a harvest that she did not work for. In Ruth 2.17, it talks about the fact that after Ruth had gathered her grain, it said that she beat out the grain that evening. So when she came home from work, she had to thresh it herself. She had to, to beat it out, and it filled an entire basket. But this time, not only did she have twice as much provision, but she had a harvest that she didn't have to strive for.
wonderful thing about the new way inside of the new covenant is that we're responsible for coming to the threshing floor, but then God does the work as we spend time inside of his presence where the spirit of the Lord is. There's freedom and we are transformed into his image, glory after glory, after spending time with him. It was necessary for the Israelites to gather their manna. But when they got into the promised land, Joshua 24, 13 says that God gave them vineyards and olive groves for food, though you did not plant them. Boaz gave Ruth fruit from what he threshed. When you and I are getting frustrated because we're not able to move forward, Sometimes we have to ask ourselves and say, you know, if I'm feeling frustrated with my flesh because I can't move forward, sometimes you and I need to be like Naomi and say, you know what, this is not my final destination because my God says, not only will he save me, he will sanctify me. Now, my responsibility is to push inside of his presence and to go inside of the threshing floor and to say to the Lord, I'm here. Whatever you want me to do, I'm ready to do. Are you tired of gleaning and you're ready for a greater harvest? Are you sick of settling for safe and yet you're afraid to let go? You know, when you love God with your all, it is a risk worth taking because it always, always yields eternal fruit. I want to close today by giving you our fifth harvest principle. And it is simply this. What I choose to sow will grow. What I choose to sow will grow. And the first thing that I want you to see is that it is a choice, that love is a choice, that while Jesus has purchased my redemption with his blood, it is absolutely 100% my choice to partake of my spiritual inheritance in Christ. Let us follow the Spirit's leading in every area of our lives. To love is to be vulnerable. It is to choose to be with the Lord. And just like my grandmother allowed me to have that choice and I could choose what I wanted, we can choose in the threshing floor to follow the Lord as he divides spirit and flesh, we can choose. Jesus has purchased my inheritance, but it's my choice to partake of it. And just like this week, and just like this week when Naomi, we see this shift in her, not only did she walk through this season of not wanting to receive, and then uh, she was opening up her arms to receive, but this time we see her loving, we see her giving out. And there's a time from God where we receive from him, and then there's a time that we love him and just like when Ruth came to Boaz and said, I'm your servant, whatever you do, right? I'm here to do. When we serve the Spirit, when we sow in the Spirit, it is loving God back. It is giving God our all because love does. Love is an action. What is God asking you to do this week? And would you be willing 
to step out there and to do it. The second thing that I want you to see is that release happens within our heart and is a work by the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, inside of our passage, that Galatians 5, 16 and 25, it says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. You know, uh, there's a release that needs to happen inside of our heart. And, and sometimes we choose the wrong place to, uh, to, to put our efforts, and that's when we can become frustrated. We can become so fixated on trying to fix our flesh or, or knowing what we need to do and trying to do it ourselves. But the Bible says it's the fruit that flows from the Holy Spirit, right? That's what's going to produce the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, understanding, and self-control. You see, sometimes... Only the threshing floor will do. And perhaps it is, see, we can even put a, a, an unhealthy person out of our life or that unhealthy person has rejected us, but that person can still have major control over our lives. Because it's not about removing a physical thing, right? Or, or trying to make the effort to get that out. Sometimes you just have to go to your kinsman redeemer and go to the threshing floor. And when we come to him and say, God, you are my redeemer. I am your servant. That is when God can really do his work. And when he produces a fruit, it yields an eternal harvest and one that lasts. And the last thing that I want you to see is that with the Lord Jesus, there is no fear of losing. So you and I can risk loving again, right? Because what we sow will grow. Naomi let go of Ruth. Ruth was a gift to Naomi, uh, 100% from the Lord, but Naomi released her and it was in the releasing that was the seed that started the next harvest. What we sow will grow. And I want to ask you a question. Are you tired of sitting in the sanctuary of safe and you're ready to soar? And Jesus says, come and partake in your spiritual inheritance. Meet me at the threshing floor. And every day, prepare for your time with me like a consecrated event and, and pour out yourself to me. And it is inside there where you love me that I will let you in and answer your prayer and cover you with my covering and take you into the place of your complete redemption. Are you settling for what's safe? for peanut butter and honey, when God is asking you to feast at his banquet. It is only by faith going to the threshing floor that we move from using our faith to merely survive so that you and I can't thrive. Your current situation may not be your final destination. Don't be afraid for what you sow will grow.